Thank you for tuning in to this prelude to Eerie History as my co-host Mike Moran interviews Dave Schrader of Darkness Radio as well as Travel Channel's The Holzer Files. I'm here with Dave Schrader on Paramal Hot Seat, and man, do I feel honored to have you on. Thank you. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. First question, who is Dave Schrader? Uh, he's a guy that owes me a lot of money, and until he pays <laughs> me back, I'm going to keep this identity. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I'm a, a dad, a granddad, a radio show host, a TV personality, and and uh, live speaker, and it's you know, something that I've, I've wanted since I was very little, and I'm glad that it's all come together and we're good to go. Awesome. Um, what got you into the paranormal? Just kind of having a life steeped in it. There was so much high strangeness around me growing up from visitations uh, from my grandmother when I was very young after she passed away to uh, dream visitation with my grandfather, a Bigfoot sighting in Alabama when I was about 12 years old, a UFO sighting in 2006 in Trout Lake, Washington. And, uh, you know, uh, since we began Darkness Radio back in 2006, I've had a chance to travel the world and see some of the most cool and iconic haunted locations and just continue to have great experiences. And now I'm on the uh, Holzer Files as the lead investigator of that TV show on Discovery Plus. So it just continues to grow. Awesome. And I love the show. Thank you. Um, your first experience, what was it? Uh, my very first experience was with my grandmother. Uh, she came to visit after after she had passed away, and I would tell my mom and aunt about her visits. And at first, they thought I was dreaming until I started getting specific about information that my grandmother related to me. Oh, wow. Um, I consider you one of the OGs in paranormal radio. Um, my previous job, I did night shift where I worked for animal rescue and control. So I would be driving the streets of Vancouver in the middle of the night, graveyards, and you got me through a lot of nights with coast to coast when you were on there Excellent. and darkness radio. And here we are talking to you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, you found us and listened yes. and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of your journey in any way, shape or form. What got you into wanting to do radio? I don't know. I just grew up loving radio. I, uh, I used to call local radio hosts in Chicago where I grew up and, and talk to them and uh, they were always cool. They'd take my calls and sometimes they'd call me back. And uh, Larry Lujak, who was kind of the big morning show guy in Chicago, um, called me back twice to just shoot the breeze about what it's like to work in radio. He knew I was a young kid. And uh, Roy Leonard from WGN in Chicago, who hosted TV programs and radio, he would allow me to come into studio and sit with him and watch him do the craft. And as I moved on and went to college and and found the local radio station there at college. Uh, I would call him for tips and advice on, on doing my show. And he was great. And and Larry Lujak and Wally Phillips and so many of the the personalities around Chicago that would uh, take time out of their schedule to, to chat with me. So I, I always try to honor that by doing as many interviews as I can when I have time and, and do the same thing back. Awesome. Um, Holzer Files. Like I said, I really enjoy the show. I Thank you. Really, I, what I like about it, I like the seance tapes. Um, yeah. If there was a time I could hear those and they're complete, I would be over the moon. So, so basically, you just admitted your favorite part of the show has nothing to do with me. Thanks a lot. See you again later. All right. Recording's <laughs> over. No, um, no yeah. I do too. Those are great. Unfortunately, they're 50-year-old films. We don't have much. We show 
usually a segment or two that we were able to save. Sometimes it's not even the video. It's just that red hue hmm. because it's called vinegar syndrome. Film will break down over time if it wasn't processed or, or uh, uh, prepared and stored properly. So sometimes we just got the audio from those clips. Uh, plus, then he had audio recordings and and uh, copious notes are really what helped us. He had really a dynamic way of keeping notes, and uh, that gave us so much. But uh, trust me, if we had more, I'm sure we would have shown more. Although I will say, to the credit of the production company, uh, and and I think any trans medium out there or medium would tell you that when spirits speak through them, it looks very weird. Remember Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Ghost, how she's all flopping and flipping around? It looks Hollywood. It looks fake. So I think they they cut away from that because they didn't want that to be a distraction. What was the important element was the information that Ethel Myers or Sibylique were sharing and that we were able to corroborate and, and prove was true and that they were getting legitimate conversations with the dead. So I think they stayed away from some of the more um, gratuitous scenes because, again, it doesn't, you know, when you see somebody's head rolling back and what are we doing here? Why are you here? Right. It just looks weird. I, uh, I investigate with a trans medium on my team once in a while, and he and he goes through the whole we call it um, the Derek show or when he's doing. His right. Thing. But some of the information that comes through him, you're like, what the hell? And exactly it, like, with with on your show, I I'll use um, the airs Allen House, for example, um, with the four cups and the little cup in the files. Right. And then she had them set up. I was like, well, cool. and, and this woman didn't get a chance to see the files, the owner um, and, and they Tyrene Reuter. They were such nice people. They opened their doors to us. And it was literally having gone through the notes, listening to the audio recordings. And then when I look up, I'm like. I can't be seeing this. There's, you know, and, and in it, she's, she's talking. Um, Ethel Myers, I believe it was, is in the living room, like 10 feet away from where we're recording our interview. And she's channeling all this information. And we believe that she was actually in effect, remote viewing the future, connecting wow. with us upon our investigation. She was giving us something to tie us to that time frame. Now you could also look at it as it was an interesting conjunction of time because it was a, a tavern at one point. So there would have been tankards, but to be specific that I see three tankards and one small tankard, and then hanging on this woman's wall are three tankards and then one miniature. Yeah. That's undeniably weird and eerie. And I'm so glad we had that audio because again, we're able to show that she was by locating in that moment, channeling and connecting not just mentally, but physically, she was there. She was seeing these things. And I, I think that's what helps Cindy connect so well in that episode. And that's, that's what I like. I like how you have, you, you play the clips when you're reviewing your upcoming case and then you have your medium. It all just ties in. It just makes for a good episode and, and mm -hmm. education. You're not just going into ghost hunt. You're going in with an actual file from a previous mm -hmm. investigator and just the correlation that episode particular a it was creepy and b and i don't get creeped out often I, i've been ghost hunting for years but just the tie-in it's very rare to yep. see such a good tie-in on an episode and that, that i agree totally sticks out we we had a couple like that that i felt really were pretty amazing tie-ins to the past and what they had seen and witnessed what we were experiencing and sometimes i felt like 
when she was recording that, I wondered if she wasn't channeling Cindy having the experience in the future. Makes sense. And, you know, it's, it's just cool. That's the whole aspect of this and what keeps me so intrigued with the supernatural after a lifetime of being in it and 15, 16 years of reporting on it on darkness radio. It's that there's, it, there's an evolution that's constantly going on with what is happening and how we understand it. Bloodlines did that one to me too. I believe that was the title of the episode. Right. Or the, the, the entire tie-in. Yeah. Our, 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 uh, that was our season one finale, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we're talking with the owner of this place. She felt drawn to it. She, she had no ties to this location. She buys it only to find out that she's tied to former owners and and people that were involved with this property. And it, it was just really crazy how it all came together and then fell back in her lap and why she would be the one having no experiences because she was most closely related to what had been happening there. Everybody else was experiencing it because they were maybe not as attuned to her Right. So to to her, it was nothing out of the ordinary because it was her own bloodline, her own connections. Mm. And everybody else was having it happen because they were seeing this reverberation through time, this this butterfly effect. Um, With the heirs Allen House, I'm going back into that one. Um, Do you think that one was would you deem it more of a residual or intelligent haunting? I think what we encountered there was um, a bit of both. I think that some of the footsteps, some of the the generic action was nothing more than uh residual but then we you know something intelligent had happened the the spoon that apported from a drawer and you know i went back and shane and i scrubbed that video looking we're like is somebody did somebody throw it from off screen that we didn't know was in the house did uh you know did anybody go to that cabinet and dig around and they just happened to find this spoon it was just weird. And the fact was in the house, when we heard it, it was like a loud, mm. right. And you walk out there and it's just a little spoon. <laughs> like we picked it up and dropped it and it's just like, tink. but I'm like, what was force? <laughs> was that, was it the force of an apportation, a true apportation taking place that we heard this like energy just exploding and then the spoon popped up. So something intelligent was letting us know it was there. Obviously, there's an intelligent haunting with marbles that are heard rolling around, and then they'll go in and find marbles. Um, the spirit of the old woman that would appear in the room upstairs. So there's a lot that tells me that it, there was a multiple dynamic. But then again, what are we talking about? Are we talking about truly a disincarnate soul? Or are we talking about time slips and time pops where for that brief moment, the past and the future rubbed together and we weren't really seeing somebody who had died. I mean, to us, of course it was 200 years ago, but in the past when they lived there and had strange experiences, were they experiencing us Were they, when they'd see something in a room that they didn't recognize, was that a quick glimpse into their own futures? Mm, That's a good way to look at it. Actually, it's a whole another interview. (laughs) There is like that. Um, I noticed also with that one, the she did not want you to get rid of crossover or jeopardize the spirit in the house why do you think that is because i've noticed with doing it for me with doing investigations of more negative or darker places where darker spirits or whatever are there a lot of times the the homeowner or the client they're like leave it but help mm-hmm. me how do you approach people like that like do you think it's oppression 
like in the, in the big scheme of things? That's, you know, it just depends. Sometimes I think there's a comfort level. Listen, we've, we've been friends with exorcists and um, people that help deliver uh, people from, you know, spiritual attachments, demonic attachments. And what seems to be a running thread is a lot of times after they're done, they kind of miss that. It's like a drug. They miss that attention. They miss that excitement of there's something really fucking cool going on here, but it's terrifying at the same time. So they start to, I wonder if they're still really here. And and then they start baiting this energy back. And once they open that door again, these things, these spirits, these energies are very, uh, you know, I guess, uh, intuitive to the fact that, you know, they know when they're going to get their instant, they're going to take it. They're going to step in through that doorway again. And I think that's what happens. I don't feel that she was in any real danger, nor were her children. Sometimes I think that maybe the spirits that are appearing malevolent or dark to others is because they feel protective of the family within the home. I could see that. And they're, you know, they're fine coexisting and they know Tyreen Reuter at the Ayers Allen house was there to take care of the house, to protect it. Listen, she had so many different shows reach out to her through her history from, you know, I think most haunted ghost hunters, paranormal state, all these different iterations. And she's like, no, I have no interest in that until Hans Holzer's case. And she said, that's important. That's worth revisiting. Let's do this. So she did it out of respect. We came out of respect. Uh, wasn't there to glorify or over, um, overblow the entire scenario. We just came in to represent what Dr. Holzer did. And it was crazy. The the type of activity we were getting there. I mean, it, what was really kind of cool for me was that scene where, you know, we're outside and we're kind of talking and I happen to glance at the monitor and I see the curtain move. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are we, re- is this recording? They're like, yeah. And I go, turn it back. And we all were like, what the flip, what just happened? And we don't make a bigger deal of it on the show, and I'll explain why in a second, but there were cameramen and sound guys that had worked on numerous other paranormal shows. And when we gathered around that monitor and they saw this, what it looks like is you see this old wooden door with a um, sheer curtain over it. And all of a sudden you just see this, it looks like about the height of a head. You just see this, what looks like a head walk through the window, through the curtain. and everybody was just gobsmacked and didn't know, didn't know what to say or do. We were all just like, wow. And here you've got that. I think that was our second episode that we ever filmed of Holzer files. And we were just astounded by what, what just occurred. And then the crew, the camera guys come up to me and they're like, Dave, I've worked in this field for 10 years. I've never seen anything like that ever. That's crazy. Now, interesting. There's a pane of glass missing in that door but it's a double set of doors. The only way we could get a reproduction of that is if somebody opened a door on either side of the house, it would create a vacuum. Mm -hmm. But at that point, everybody was outside and accounted for. There was no opening and shutting of the door. Plus, if you watch the footage at first, you see the, the the, the shears kind of do this buckling and then all of a sudden, poof, they kind of like something was almost like trying to look through the shears and then just walk through. It was crazy. But because we couldn't, fully say maybe a door just we thought a door was shut and then it just kind of clicked and that caused a quick moment we didn't expound upon it much deeper you know we show it it's interesting but we can't 
specifically say now had we heard like from the static camera had we heard and then see the curtain go that would have been a lot more impressive um you know you you get some corroborating evidence of footsteps and then it happens but because it was just that and it was one off we were very careful but there were times when we would open the doors in testing and we couldn't get it to do it either i was looking and and you know there are some things that are sacrificed for tv because you've got 40 minutes 42 minutes to tell a story and show all of this history plus the investigation plus the evidence review and the reveal so they cut away they didn't show me really i was looking for air vents everywhere to see if there was an air vent that blew on that there was nothing anywhere near that area so we couldn't we just couldn't explain what happened but because we couldn't and there was other interesting evidence we just decided you know we'll show that but that won't be the main reveal that's crazy when you have so much evidence of places that you can only right now we did show it to yeah. the homeowner and she was like what <laughs> what just happened we're like we don't know but and then we explained to her but truth is you know um people necessarily that the majority of people that tune into the show although you'll hear the boisterous grouping out there say they want all the information a lot of them want just the fantasy and the entertainment and they don't want us really getting into the debunking of everything mm -hmm. so we show it we kind of discuss it but we left we left tyrene with that concept that it could be just a vacuous moment in the house and something we didn't know and a window or a door moved and that was enough to create that little pocket but she you know we all left believing it definitely had something to do with the supernatural but we could not specifically prove that so we just let it be wow if you could do over an investigation that mm -hmm. you've done thus far with Holzer Files, which one would it be and why? Wait, I'm sorry, reframe if the question. If you could do me. a redo investigation. Uh, I, the Queen Mary. Uh, yeah. That was our season two finale, really. Um, I know it's not when you watch it, it's a strange deal. We did the series and then we had our mid-season holiday break. So our, our, our episode started at Halloween and went through to like the first week in December. Then we took a break. And then we came back uh, like a month and a half later on Discovery Plus. But what had happened was accidentally the next episode was uh, pulled from TV, but it still slipped into the um, being released to Hulu and uh, on on demand. So it, the people that had Discovery Plus never got to see that episode. But we didn't want people that were tuning back in that had watched it on TV see that episode and be like, hey, that was already on. So we just threw it to the end of the mix, but our, our true season finale was the Queen Mary. And I have been on the Queen Mary 15, 16 times. I've investigated, I've had some of the most amazing experiences of my life investigating any location there. And this just felt much more upsetting and unsettling. Um, we were the first paranormal team ever allowed aboard the ship with no one on board. There were three security guards and the Commodore one security guard was stationed on the ship. The others were outside the ship to make sure nobody came into the parking lot or tried to get on. Cause you know, people drive around barricades to come look at the ship anyway and do things. So they had to keep them at bay. So everything that took place in the ship was just us and our camera guys and sound guys. And that's it. So, and then when we did our lockdown at the end of the night and I caught that apparition in the door frame, I did not see it with my bare eyes. I just, I heard something, I was walking around looking and I'm filming and I just happened to pass that door frame with the camera. We didn't notice it until 
reveal that there was a woman standing in that door frame. People have said, oh, it's a curtain. It's not, there's no curtains like that in the Queen Mary, especially not in the rooms. You know, they have these little curtains that hang like this much over the portholes, and that's about it. Um, this was a woman. And it, as a matter of fact, when you see it, it's so quick and it's tough. And even when we try to slow it down, all, then all it turns into is a white blur. But when you let it go and you look at it, you see it's a woman and she actually starts to move out of frame as I'm moving the camera. Like I'm moving this way, she's moving that way. And we kind of just crossed each other's paths in that moment. But I would love to get back on there because there was something different aboard that ship. I'd never experienced before. So I would love to go back and do another uh, Queen Mary uh, investigation while there's nobody aboard the ship. That place is on my bucket list, 100%. Amazing place. So you say that there, it felt different from the other times you, you've investigated it? Mm-hmm. Why is that, do you think? I think the ghosts were hungry, to be honest with you, right? I mean, this, this ship was docked there in 1967 and became a... Uh, sightseeing destination for people around the world and it's never stopped since so you know for 54 years 53 years it sat there dry docked as a hotel and resort constantly people going through it restaurants cafes gift shops parties bands dances just you know paranormal conferences you name it and for the first time in its 53 years of existence there's no lifeblood. The, the energy of, of humans going through that ship, there's just, you know, a bare bones staff. And most of them don't like to be on the ship um, because it's so creepy. Uh, one of the guys showed us a video footage, him and his superior were walking through because he was feeling really uncomfortable one night and they start hearing turns and turns on his phone and you look and one of the doorknobs is rattling back and forth from the inside. Something is shaking the knot. And they got, we're out of here and they left. Um, another interesting thing, unfortunately, when we're walking the hall in the one section, we have a camera guy in front of us, a camera guy behind us, and they're filming us as we're making our way through the ship, getting B-roll and getting some of this interesting footage. But what they couldn't see is as we passed a few of the doors, TVs started turning on in the wow. rooms and we're like, what the hell's going on? And again, I give production a lot of credit. They're like, it's going to look fake and hokey. And I'm like, but it really happened. They're like, you know that we know that, but it looks set up. It just looks too fake and hokey. We're going to have to pass. So we went in and turned off and I I asked the Commodore and the employees, I'm like, do you guys leave some of the TVs on maybe even just to placate the ghosts? And they're like, no, no, everything's supposed to be turned off. I'm like, TVs kept going on in the different rooms we would pass. That's a good story. I, do you find, well, you probably do find this a lot of times you'll get a damn good piece of evidence, try and present it to people. And they're like, Nope, fake. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Here's my point. Everybody's always like, what do you say to skeptics? I say, I, I can't wait for you to have your first experience. And I hope it's, it's a delight. Um, what, what am I going to say? I'm, my job is not to prove to you that the paranormal exists. My job is to go in and document what happens. That's all I can do. That's all Dr. Holzer could do. Mm-hmm. Go in, ask the questions, press the the concepts that have been put forth and see if if there's any fruit to that and we captured i think some of the best evidence um on any paranormal show especially in season two i mean we caught some of the best apparition footage i've ever seen period and what's strange to me is people will be like 
oh, I thought this was really great. And I'm like, God, that's nothing. So that part of the episode you loved, but the ghost that appears behind us and you see them sitting on the stage and then they fade out. Nobody's talking about it. What is going on? And it just boggles my mind how, you know, what kind of excites people about this field. Uh, EVP, people love electronic voice phenomena. I don't know if sometimes the video phenomena is too much for them. They, they're like, ah, oh, it's got to be fake. It's too good. And as a, as a paranormal fan, I get that because I've watched these shows and at times I've gone, come on, even, you know, I'm, I've been friends with everybody on every show that's, that's ever been out. And when I watch him, I sit there thinking, this, this just looks too good to be true. And I'll call him. I'm like, come on, there <laughs> has to be some kind of hijinks. They're like, no. And, and I've been on paranormal state. I've been on ghost adventures. I was on paranormal challenge. I, you know, I've made the rounds of, of being a part of these programs to see how they go. And everything you see on the screen is exactly how it happened in real life. As a matter of fact, I stand by one of my favorite episodes of ghost adventures is one I was a part of and not because I was a part of it. I mean, that helps, but <laughs> there was an episode, I think it's called the demon house of Seattle yeah, uh, I remember or, that one. or demons in Seattle. This guy made these claims that made Amityville sound tame. And I, I told Zach, I go, listen, I know you want a place that's off the hook. Here's the interview I just did with this guy. He listened to it. He goes, what do you think? I said, he's either got something much scarier than Amityville or he's a complete hoaxer. And he goes, what do you think about doing an episode? Would you come on board with us? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, man, I want to see this. And we went there and I even went in and challenged. And that'll tell you something. Cause I'm not a guy that challenges, but I had such faith that there was no paranormal things taking place in this house. I had no problem calling out the demons. Mm. Right. And, and what a weird, you know, like <laughs> sponge painting 666 on the wall. That was the ghost and interior decorator. I don't understand that. And then there's 666, which we know legitimately has nothing to do with the supernatural. I think it was the uh, uh, coded word for Caesar or whoever was the ruler at that time. Um, and then there's Native American symbols and uh, Judeo-Christians. It, it was just, it was a myriad of different symbols. And I was like, something's off about this. It's like this guy looked up any creepy Blair witch symbol and just started sponge painting it in the house. Uh, and he's like, we don't even have black paint. And after we were wrapping up and we were literally breaking everything down, I, I move one of the monitors and I go, Hey, Zach. And he goes, what? And I go, look at this. And there on the shelves. Cause we our our base was in the garage there on the shelves was a can of black paint. Guilty. So I'm like, interesting, interesting. Now I'm not going to say the guy faked it. I have my reservations and I thought it was weird that we leave. And then the next thing that happens is a ghost nails a pair of his jeans to the wall. The crucifixion of Levi. I don't understand what that has to do with any of this. And then I called him out on it. I, I said, you know, here's something interesting. The ghosts get angry when you're playing video games loud. They throw glass jars and things, and it's always off camera, right? You'll hear the crash, and then he looks and puts his camera on. He just happens to be filming himself every time something weird happens, hmm. but never in the direction of where it happened. Uh, so, I, you know, I called him out about that, and then I said, so you mean to tell me the ghost is going to throw a candle at a wall knowing that's not going to stop you, and you're just going to keep playing video games? Why not throw the candle through the TV? Why not break something important to you? Well, lo and behold, two days later, he calls me. Oh, they destroyed my laptop. 
Yeah, that's convenient. So I just, I, you know, but we put that episode out with no evidence. There was no evidence. We got nothing, not even a dust particle floated by. Not you're there to research. And, right. Uh, there was that. And, and we're like, this is it. And people were livid at the time. They're like, I can't believe you put this stupid episode on. There was nothing to see. There was, there was nothing. That's, that's the part of the paranormal that we have to pay attention to. I thought that was a brave choice on Zach and, um, my Tupelo and, and travel channel to air an episode where they absolutely, we got nothing because in a way that's kind of scarier. If there is something evil there, it was hiding very well. Intelligent. Right? Mm-hmm. If there wasn't, it's an interesting look into the mind of the people who believe there's something going on there. And we, there was a, a, this witch woman who had been there and she showed up in like a cloak and a, a sword and, it just got really hokey and weird. Some of these scenes and we're like, ah, this feels forced. It feels like everybody's trying to get on TV. So we had a hard time with, with pressing that, you know? Um, but I am fiercely proud of that show because we got no evidence and they aired it. That's a good way to look at it too. Like being a paranormal investigator, you go to these properties, you go to residents, you go to houses that are claimed to be haunted. And I view it like fishing. Like if you ever go fishing, Right. You nail all the trout one day in the lake, and then the next day there's nothing. It's not always right. either nothing, there's something, or sometimes they just don't want to talk to you. And then the next week you're making love to a mermaid. So Absolutely. you just never know how it's going to p- play out for you. True that. Um, in your opinion, what is audible paranormal evidence? Uh, well, you know, there's DVP, direct voice phenomena. When we've been in a place we can hear a voice speak out. I, I did a, a really interesting pilot for a show that uh, ended up becoming ghost lab with a totally different crew. But I had Gary Galka, Bill Chapel, Frank Sumption, uh, Paul Bradford, all of these paranormal inventors. And they came on board to this, the St. Nicholas hotel in cripple Creek, Colorado. And we were trying to make communication. And at one point, like nothing's happening, nothing. Right. And we're like, God, nothing. You can hear the spirit box does nothing. No, no voices, nothing. And then I go, I wonder if this ghost would like to play a game and we're all standing in a circle and in between all of us, this little girl's voice goes, yeah. Wow. And we're all like, holy shit. What was that? And we all heard it. It was five, six guys in a circle. And we heard a little girl's voice say that. And we had other experiences that were there, but you know, it was just, it was fascinating to me to see how this, this took place that we all heard it audibly, but then I played back the recording. You hear the in the background, you hear us talking, then you hear me say, I wonder if, if the spirit would like to play a game. And then you hear all of us react, but there's no recording of the little girl's voice. Wow. Not on our cameras, not on our lavalier mics, not on our recorders, nothing. That's bonkers. So that's an interesting piece of phenomena to me. EVP, again, is subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I understand how fallible we are as humans and we can make mistakes. But then, you know, like I I got that EVP in the episode season two, um, don't send them to heaven. You know, um, I had actually been on the other side of the attic and I just, I felt so powerless and sad. And I was trying to be quiet because Cindy was downstairs trying to automatic write and Shane was in the basement trying to connect with a spirit that had shoved him earlier. And he had stepped up and wanted to do that on his own. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to just kind of be quiet up here and more reserved. The attic people sense this woman. So I I started praying to send this woman over. And all of a sudden we start hearing over in the other side of the attic. 
And I look at the camera guy and he's like, yeah, I heard that. And I go, let's go over there. So we go over there and I turn on my recorder and, uh, I'm like, are you trying to intimidate me? Are you trying to scare me out of here? You, you know, you can't. And then I started praying, but when I played back the recorder before I even started speaking on that side. So remember, I just come from the one side where I was trying to do a clearing prayer. I walk over, I turn on the recorder, start talking. And at the beginning you hear stop, don't send them to heaven. And it was that clear that I turned around I looked at the, the camera guy and I said, holy shit, did you hear that? And he said, yeah. And I played it again. And I'm like, I'm not even going to tell anybody about this. I want Shane to listen to this when he goes through the review and let me see if he finds it. And he found it. And I was just like, that's crazy. It was that good, that clear of an EVP. And I have no explanation for it. Wow. Yeah. Um, being a figure in the paranormal field, you probably meet a lot of investigators from beginner to well-seasoned. Um, what advice do you give newbies in the field? Um, well, usually I tell them, uh, send me lots of money and I'll give you papers that tell you you're a professional ghost hunter. Awesome. Uh, no, I processed yet. Yes. No, it has not. We're still waiting. Uh, and it's only 2999. Um, no, I, you know, my, my advice has always been asked why, and then, then choose wisely where you're going. The biggest problems I've ever had are, are these paranormal teams that don't know what they're doing, going into people's houses and they hear something that unnerves them. And they're like, you have demons, you, you need to move. And then they leave. And then these families are like, what the hell? I have a demon. And then they call out to me or Tim, my co-host or, or one of our friends. And, and we have to talk them back off the ledge and, and be like, listen, they're telling you it's a demon. Why? What happened? Well, they thought they heard a growl. All right. Well, was any of the people that they were with maybe hungry? Did their stomach make that noise? Did they stay to try to define it? Did they get any other evidence? No, they just heard a on their EVP. I'm like, I get that a lot. Zoom audio you know, pick up everything. Right. <laughs> Depending on how, how sensitive those microphones are. So you got to be careful. And I'm like, no, has anything weird ever happened? Well, yeah, we've had, you know, like my keys will go missing. I said, and where do you find them in the fridge? Okay. Well, demons don't do that right? Demons aren't going to just pick up your, your keys and put them in the fridge or on top of the dryer. They, you know, they're going to try to kill you. <laughs> they're going to try to push you, break you, oppress you. There's more to it. And we talk people down. So I just tell people, if you're in it for the excitement, you're in it for the wrong reasons. If you're in it and you want to have, um, an understanding of, of life and death and, and the afterlife, and what's, great, but educate yourself, read, listen to podcasts, watch shows, read about history, understand the settings you're in, um, and show compassion and kindness. I, I say, you know, maybe this ghost is mad for a reason, right? How many people have traversed this home and been in there going, you know, Hey, Mike, if you're here, why don't you show yourself? Oh, you're a big tough guy. Huh? Why don't you come out and, you know, and, and I think Mike was my friend. I don't want you talking to Mike that way. Why would you yell at him and challenge him? And he's not a, a puppy who jumps through a flaming hoop. And, and go in with respect and Mike, I'm sorry. I, I know your death was unexpected, man. And I'm sorry, but is there something that's keeping you here? Why do you want to stay? Can I help you? What, you know, tr trying to get answers. And I do a, a closing prayer at every location we're at. They don't air them on TV because a lot of people get offended by religion um, in any way, shape or form. So we're very cautious with how we do it, but I do a closing prayer at every location, just asking that God opens the doorways, sends forth loved ones, uh, sends forth the Holy spirit to clear these areas and bring home any spirits that want to go home. 
and find their friends. And that's kind of what I've always done and, and what I believe in. So I try, you know, we all have our reasons. I've been terrified of death forever. Um, I want to understand it. I want to know that my mom lives on somewhere else. I want to know that there is this connection. So that's important to me. But if you're in it just to go scare, oops, sorry, suddenly something evil. I don't even have a dog. Where is that coming from? <laughs> Hans. I have a dog named Hans Holzer Schrader. Hans. Hey, dad's trying to do an interview. Shh. You're hogging up my space. So I, that's it. Just try to do it for the right reasons. Sense. We have three minutes left of our interview. Okay. Um, what do you got coming up in 2021? You know, uh, I, I don't know when you're going to air this interview, but this yeah, weekend. Oh, great. Yeah. I will be at Mansfield Reformatory this weekend. Um, I will be letting my dog out in about 10 minutes, uh, but I'll be at Mansfield Reformatory uh, in Ohio. And there's an event going on all weekend. You can come out and pay to go through the tour of Mansfield, which is like 20, 25 bucks. And it gives you access to the paranormal conference. It's going to go on. I think uh, the ghost brothers are there. Amy and Adam from kindred spirits are there. Ben Hansen's there from ghosts of Morgan city. I'll be on hand. We're going to be autographing, hanging out, talking, you know, and investigating, having fun. Uh, and then uh, I'm basically doing an event every month, uh, somewhere, uh, you know, I'll be in, uh, at phenomenology in Gettysburg two weeks later in, um, uh, at the Eisenhower hotel in Gettysburg. There are still tickets available. If people are interested in coming out and meeting, seeing, and, and being a part of this in a way that's safe and in a safe environment to learn, I encourage them come out to these events and you can find more info at darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. And that will give you uh, a great way to start and meet some of your favorite paranormal investigators, authors, researchers, uh, and everything from ghosts to UFOs to cryptids and uh, psychics and mediums are on board. So there's somebody there for everybody to listen and learn from. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And last question. Have you ever thought about investigating up in Canada? Uh, yeah, I, I've been up there. Uh, I went to uh, Canada twice. I went to Sarnia which was a disappointment. That is. <laughs> uh, right. It's right over the, literally I, I landed in Detroit, took a cab over the bridge, showed them my passport, got over the bridge and the holiday Inn was right there. So I made it like a mile and a half, not, not even maybe a half a mile into Canada. Then I went to Victoria, Canada, where you, what is it? You go into Seattle, you take the ferry over and our hotel was right there on the, on the water. Awesome. So I, I made it into Canada twice, uh, very short, uh, but I've, I've, I got to go in there and, and investigate a couple of old schools and, and some cool places, but yeah, I'd love to do more in Canada. And I got to look through, I can't remember if, if Dr. Holzer did any cases in Canada, but if we get another season, I'd love to see us go abroad and, and visit some of the other States and countries that we have not covered yet. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Everybody remember, Keep on believing, research, investigate, and keep the excitement alive because that's what keeps us all moving is trying to educate ourselves, entertain ourselves, and find the answers that elude us in life. And I hope that you will all have a magical journey doing that as well. And remember to check me out every week, Darkness Radio. Just ask whatever audio platform you use to listen to your podcasts for Darkness Radio, and you'll find us there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.